In this episode, we speak with Ernesto Aguiar, the president and CEO of Ardura, which is a multidisciplinary services firm providing broad-based solutions that are tailored to the specific needs of the public and private sectors. The company is backed by Little John & Co., a middle market private equity firm. Ardura provides services in the areas of water, transportation, public works, environmental, aviation, civil, aquatics, emergency management, transit, surveying, structural, community relations, and landscape architecture, among others. Ernesto is a visionary leader and seasoned professional engineer with over 30 years of experience encompassing all aspects of operations, management, business development, and project delivery for engineering and consulting. He also leads the sourcing, valuation, and merging of acquired companies, with an emphasis on integration as the key to building a unified firm. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click to subscribe. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Ernesto, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you, RJ. Thanks for having me. So one thing to note about Ardora is the tremendous growth you've gone through over the last several years. And the company has existed for some time before this rapid growth phase. What do you think it was that first made you think to grow that fast? And then secondly, how did you do it? Let's start the first part. The company actually is not that old. The company is only six years old. So let me explain what I mean by that. So we're private equity back. And the first company we acquired as our platform had been around since 1960 something. But really, that company doesn't exist anymore. It was just our platform. And that was 100 employees. So that was in 2017. And so since then, we are now of almost 1,500 employees. So in about six years. The way we look at it, the Arduras company is now is only about six years old. Okay. Okay. Got it. And so the private equity backing comes in. I presume they partly brought you in as well. They hired you or were you there already? Long story, the initial company, the CEO of that company did not move forward with the platform. And my background was I had built companies. I came from big companies. And I saw this as an opportunity, you know what, to build a company from scratch. So I actually did not come in as CEO. They asked me to come in to help them with other areas. And I just started coming with the strategies. And they said, why don't you just take over? And uh, one of them, so I had a couple of criteria. And damn, it's worked. I mean, we've exploded. We actually went through recapitalization last year. So we now have a new private equity sponsor. And so, like I said, it's gone from 100 employees to 1,500. And uh, it's been an amazing journey with, every, with the whole team working on this. Can you tell us about your prior backer and your existing backer? Uh, sure. So the first backer was called RTC Partners. And they were very small. This was actually their first venture, Ardura. So I had worked for a pretty well-known uh, public traded company called NV5. So when I decided to leave, all the P companies really wanted me to work for them. The reason I picked RTC Partners is because they were starting out. And I said, you know, I've never done PE before. I want to be able to ask the most stupid questions possible. These are the guys. Let me learn with them and grow with them. And so that was them. And they were great partners. We were learning together. When we were small, we even had problems getting banks to listen to us. 
you know, obviously at the end, everybody was kind of after us, but we got to a point where we just outgrew them. It was time, you know, the investors want to get their money out. And so we decided that actually we closed this year, February 1st to go to another. So we went out to the market. We had a ton of interest, especially with the, what's happening with inflation. We were overwhelmed with mm -hmm. so much interest just because of our industry. And the new backer is a very well-known backer in the industry called Little John and Company, a very well-funded company, very well-respected in the PN industry. And so mm -hmm. they started with us, wanted to get into this. Uh, so we see the difference. This is a very professional outfit that is helping us kind of professionalize our back office as we move forward. You know, something interesting when you're pursuing growth, either through organic means or acquisitions, it's usually a combination, but it could be driven largely by the private equity firm or internally. What was the case on your end? Was it a joint pursuit? Who was driving with the acquisition processes? We are. We've sourced all the companies. We've come up. And partially, so we're very, we're considered a serial acquirer in our industry. I uh, just, you know, most of the companies that we have, we've actually sourced ourselves. I've been through us process. And uh, it's a very much a relationship business. You have to have a strong network. And that's not the, the both P's background. So they quickly both learned, oh, yeah, okay, you guys know what you're doing. But where they do help us, it's obviously during the due diligence process. You know, they know that down pat. And obviously when it comes to putting the structure together of the deal or actually coming up with the funding of the deal, that's where they help us. But in terms of strategy, how the company would fit in, both geographically and discipline, that's us. We actually source all the deals and meet with the companies. And were these in your existing markets or were they yeah. in new markets? So both when we started the company, so I had a, four companies they had acquired before me. There was one company in particular that had a very strong water business, a very high-end water business. So we at that point decided, why don't we build a very high-end water business? And by I mean by high-end is you can go all the way to treatment. Uh, people don't think about you know drinking water that kind of stuff but really high-end water and then i said when we reach 100 million revenues which will probably be in a decade obviously that didn't happen it happened a lot quicker but we'll transition and balance our portfolio with transportation and so that's how we started and we started pursuing looking for companies in the water business or oh, in geography wise we said let's do the big smile which is going from the pacific northwest coming all the way to california arizona texas florida all the way to the northeast but we said, let's start with the Grin, which is from California to North Carolina. Kind of fun, but the real reason is the migration of population and all these southern states that are growing. So right now, Florida and Texas actually comprise about 60% of our entire revenues. So that's how we started with water. And we are considered one of the top water firms in the U.S. now. So we did get to hit to that pinnacle. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, we started investing in the transportation in very specific markets. That's what we've been doing. We, we've picked those two markets and that geography, and we're trying to uh, densify where we are. When you're pursuing acquisitions, there's obviously risk associated with acquiring a new company on multiple levels. Perhaps you haven't uncovered certain things during due diligence, or perhaps integration doesn't go that well. Do you have to integrate these companies in, or can they operate autonomously? So we're very careful, by the way, just to give an idea, we talk to probably between 60 and 100 companies a year, and we might make three deals. So we're very picky, just as they are, they should be too. You know, you're coming into a partnership, a marriage. And so we already kind of know the criteria going in. And the big one is actually the fit, you know, I'll call it the cultural fit. Can we see us working with these people? Do they like us? Do they laugh at our jokes? If they do, they're not smart. But the idea is, do we actually kind of go, and I know it sounds silly, but that's number one. 
there's a financial component. There's a, uh, are we better together component? You know, how can we help them grow that kind of aspects? So two things we say to the companies that are pretty much non-negotiable. The first is the back office will be centralized. HR, IT, finance, you can't help a bunch of them. So that's one. By the way, we've acquired 23 companies. So it's a lot of them. So the second non-negotiable thing is your name will change and there will be one brand. And I don't want a company of companies. You hear that term. If we want to be one company, it has to be one brand. And that is one of our strengths. We've done that very well. We don't even hear the other company names. So yes, it's integrating the people, integrating the brands, and we do it within nine months. So it's not operating separately because when we acquire firms, we look at the synergies. We look at the synergies. What do they have that we don't have and vice versa? not integrate them properly, we're not taking advantage of those synergies. Mm -hmm. So we have a pretty detailed integration plan that's been proven mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And we follow it, cultivating with the brand name changing to ours. Mm -hmm. How would you define your culture? Presumably you have a very strong culture, you know, in order to pursue the growth that you're pursuing yeah. and retain the most talented people. I say the three things we're very good at. We're very good at sales. And naturally, we have 40 entrepreneurs who built their own company. That's not normal. So you're born an entrepreneur in many ways, right? So we take advantage of that. So we're very good at sales. Number two is our turnover rate is extremely low. We don't lose many people. When we started the company, we said, let's create what's called an employee council. And we said to them, look, we'll take care of the M&A, the financials, anything that happens in the company in terms of programs, culture, that's your employees, benefits. You tell us what you want, and we'll look if we can fund it. And just, just tell us. So what's happening is we're all building the company together. So it's a very entrepreneurial company. It's also a very involved company because we got the employees involved. You know, we talk about M&A, but our organic growth has been over 20% almost every year. And most of it is attributed to our employees. They're happy. They bring more people. They're involved in the company. They are part of growing the company. It's not management growing the company. So I like to think of our culture as very inclusive, respect for each other, very entrepreneurial. We are fast. We're very aggressive in terms of our growth. We provide opportunities and provide opportunities for employees if they want to. You know, some of them might be happy in the role they have. And a lot of fun. We do have a lot of fun. We make fun of each other quite a bit. So one of the things we fight is bureaucracy. Yes, as the company gets bigger, you have to put processes in place. You have to put certain rules or policies. but not all of them. If you have to ask, do you need that policy? You already answered the question. Mm -hmm. And so that's been part of our strengths. As we will get bigger and bigger, that is something we're making sure we have to balance that policies as we get bigger, but at the same time, keeping that entrepreneurial spirit. What's really interesting is, you know, and I talked about this before, but sometimes the growth and the drive is coming from the private equity firm. In this case, I think it's coming from you. That's what's coming across. And tell us about your background, you know, maybe how you started out maybe operationally, but then moved over into more of this business mindset and business sure. building kind of acumen? So I grew up in Canada, so I'm Canadian. I actually graduated as a structural engineer. So by trade, I am an engineer. I started my career in Vancouver, British Columbia, and actually worked as a structural engineer for the first three, four years of my career. Realized quickly, so engineers in many ways, you sit in front of a computer you don't go to clients as if you have a bridge. It just doesn't work that way. So I quickly realized that probably was not going to be for me in terms of the design aspect was cool. So I actually switched. So in civil engineering, you come around to be more of a municipal engineer, which is more on the roads, sewers. And I was a city engineer. 
so you can be sitting there for smaller cities. But like my future wife decided to push me to actually start my own business when I was in my 20s. You know, at that time, you have all this bravado, don't know what you're doing. And I did. And I got it to about 35 people in about, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, which now I look back, I don't even know how I did that. But I uh, learned a lot of lessons. I have a lot of respect for people who built their own businesses. Probably, RJ, the hardest job I had. When you have your own businesses, you have to think about payroll. I remember my first picnic, I'm seeing all these people, oh my God, they have families. <laughs> and I'm a 20-year-old kid, right? So I did that, moved to the States. I sold the business for personal reasons, moved to the States, joined a firm that six months after I got there, got acquired by a national firm. And I was at that national firm for 14 years and ended up having a whole bunch of roles, both in sales and in operations, ended up running the water across the U.S. That firm got acquired by an international firm. And I actually ended up running one of the North American regions for that firm. So in terms of big experience, I was exposed to a lot. They was more business kind of related. Left the firm and we joined a firm called NV5, which is a, it was a spallotated company. I was a CEO in that company. And that firm's grown tremendously. When I got there, there were just over 200 employees. When I left, I think it was 2,000. We did like 40 acquisitions in like four years. So that's kind of where my background here, a little bit different. I thought it's a cool idea to start from scratch, do something, you know, build it from scratch. It's a little bit harder, but you can put your own thoughts into it. Some of the lessons I learned from other companies, the good, the bad, trying to balance a big company with the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that's what we've been trying to do. Keep the small entrepreneurial company ideas, but at the same time, we're getting larger. And so that's kind of my background. So I, I am an engineer by trade. I would not step on a bridge that I design now. So I'm probably not a good engineer anymore. But uh, got more into the, obviously now I'm involved more in the business side and finance and uh, M&A and that kind of stuff. You know, when you're thinking about growth and continuing your kind of accelerated growth path, what's the thing that worries you? Is there kind of a risk element that's always in the back of your mind that's like, you know, yes, we're, we're moving quickly and yes, things are going well, but there's this element that I do keep in mind. There's two. And our new partner is something with one of them. One of them is, as we've been growing fast, our back office has not been able to keep up. Mm -hmm. That's my fault to a degree. Our new partner has that experience. They're actually helping us invest in putting more resources in the back office to get bigger. So that's one area. Are we going to the point where it's almost too much? And we've been able to keep up, but we will make sure that those employees are okay. So that's one. The second is what I talked about before. Are we keeping that culture that we have? As we get bigger, how do we salvage that it's an entrepreneurial firm with a lot of fun, that kind of stuff, and at the same time understanding that this is headed for to a billion-dollar company? So I don't know if I worry about it, but it's in the back of my mind. It's a, I talk to my team about it, and we're always conscious of that, trying to find that balance. Is focus ever an issue for you, or you already have it so clearly defined that you're not easily distracted by other opportunities? No, I think we're pretty focused. Yeah. So people ask me, uh, RJ, what's your goal in terms of size of company? And people actually are surprised by my response. So my response is, I actually don't have a dollar figure. And the reason I say that is because sometimes if you put a dollar figure, you make awkward decisions to get to that number. Instead, we do have a strategy, location-wise, discipline-wise. And when an opportunity comes up, we're aggressive. So we are very aggressive and we see an opportunity fits, then we go all in. And so it's been working for us, obviously, 
So we're very focused on what our strategy is. By the way, our strategy is only the current year and the next year. So it's a two-year strategy. And we know exactly when opportunity comes up that that's exactly what we want. And we confirm it and we go in hard. So we're pretty focused, I think, on what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Is there someone out there that, you know, because there's these other business titans that have done well acquiring companies serially. Are there others that you say like that person, he or she did it really well. I want to kind of take some of their best practices. So when we started six years ago, nobody even knew what PE was. We were actually one of the first, you know, people at PE, I used to just look at me and go, you're not into physical education. As you can tell, I'm not. I go. <laughs> so I had to explain what private equity was. Now, you know, right now, almost half the deals in our industry are now private equity. So a lot of them are using our example mm-hmm. of how to do it. Some of them are doing a little bit differently. There is the, and I don't want to name him, but there is some that I consider people who do it well. Right. And then I consider there's one and done. So what I mean by that is it's very easy to go to a firm and say, you're going to be a platform to go to national. And what ends up happening, these platforms never done that before and they get stuck. And so those are happening now. So there's the real guys who know what they're doing. And then there's guys who just never were supposed to be a platform. And that's being distinguished now as we get more into it. We're not the only one doing this. There's a couple of guys who do it extremely well. And we do keep in touch. We compete against each other, but at the same time, we do exchange ideas of best practices every so often. Right. What element to your investors has been most impactful? It seems like you're the captain here and you have your capital providers. And maybe you have some like M&A expertise, both internally and as well as through your partner. But where, where have they been most helpful? So very different because our first partner was much smaller, right? Uh, they are they, partners, very good outfit to get going on, but they didn't have the size or the years of experience of Little John. So what we're finding is, what, so we've just been with Little John, what, seven months. But what we do find is they obviously have other industries' ideas that we go, yeah, that could work in our industry. So that, that's one. They have resources in terms of helping us with finance. We have a breadth of access to a lot of people we did not before. Mm-hmm. They're helping us as it pertains to our operations, okay? Tightening some of our operations, bringing some uh, project management practices into the operations. So that's one. Number two is they're helping us on the, even on the HR, making sure that some of the stuff, so new ideas kind of stuff. And obviously in the M&A and the finance is where they're actually helping us the most. And their goal is like ours. Their goal is let's set up systems in place so this can be a billion dollar plus company if we have that option. It's sometimes, you know, we're like uh, change. It's not easy for everybody, including myself. And sometimes you got you to step back and say, you know what? Some of the stuff they bring though, even though I'm not used to it, they're experts at this. They know what they're doing. <laughs> so we're, we're learning. We're learning. It, it's interesting to work with these guys because you learn so much from them. And again, they have access to all these industries that we are learning from them. Now, is your vision then to fully exit in the next three to five years? So we just started, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As you know, these things can go to three to five years kind of uh, intervals. So uh, yes, the idea is that we build a next year tech company in those two markets and see if we find another partner beyond that after that. Mm -hmm. And what's your vision for your career? Do you anticipate? continuing to build companies, big companies? I look back at my career. You know, I talked about the first company, the first 20, 35% Uh, Maybe because I was young and naive and I was invincible. I learned a lot. I, you know, I fell a lot. I learned hard lessons. If I look back, this has probably been one of the more rewarding experiences. And the reason is 
I learned obviously a lot in that first company and obviously all these other companies. But to be able to kind of have the opportunity to work with people and build a company from scratch, it's been awesome. Especially when you're working with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs, they just bring you up the same way. So uh, I consider myself extremely fortunate that I even call this my job. People ask me, how many hours do you work a week? I have no idea. And I don't care because I mix my life together. And that means you have a good life, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously reflects when you're having fun at work, it reflects in your personal life. So I don't know. Right now I'm living in the moment. Obviously, we're trying to plan ahead. My wife can never see me retiring. <laughs> I have too much energy. I'm having a lot of fun. As long as I'm having fun, I'll continue in the industry. Well, what do you think is your key to success? If you had to attribute it to you know, one or two things, what would that be? Network. I tell everybody that anything that I've been fortunate to be able to touch or involve in has to do with a lot of network. Even me coming to this company was a network connection finding deals, people coming over to help you out. I've been very good at keeping 20, 30-year relationships that I still have, all people I used to work in the past. As a matter of fact, just so you know, the entire back office, we worked together for 20 years. I asked them to come and help me build a company. Hmm. So even companies we acquired, my old boss, we acquired his company. So it's very much a network thing. It's like everyday life, right? Uh, you get along with people, you kind of work together. So I always tell people, build your network. That's what's going to help you because you don't know it all. You don't know everything. You don't know anybody. And I'm constantly, every week, I talk to someone from many years. Every week, I talk to two or three people. So I keep my network very strong. So that, to me, is the number one thing. Excellent. Well, we're coming up on time. I do have two final questions I like to ask. One is, can you tell us about a person who has had a profound influence on you? I'm going to say my father, and I'll explain a little bit. So my father uh, was an immigrant from El Salvador. Uh, we moved up when I was like four years old to Canada. My father, eighth grade education, a very poor family, went up to uh, Canada as an immigrant, four kids. Actually, we were five kids then. My father got a stroke at 29 from working 20-hour days. He kind of slowed it down. Make a long story short, my father became a very successful land development guy in real estate. Ended up building his own companies, taught himself six, seven languages on his own. I, the guy worked hard and watching him, you know, when I was in my teens, a man put that much effort into it, taught me a lot. That hard work does pay off. So that taught me a lot. And he actually made me work. As example, when I was in, uh, in college, he made me work at a factories. I look at that moment now, I know he was teaching me a lesson. So that's been one person I look at and I go, wow, what he's done is incredible. And unfortunate, I didn't have those worries. You know, I was able to get an education paid for and had all these opportunities, and he worked hard for it. So when I see people from immigrants working hard, it always goes, this is the way to do it. That's how they've right. done it right. Yeah. A last question. Can you tell us about a charity, cause, or other endeavor that you're passionate about? So my, uh, my mother-in-law suffered tremendously from Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. My family, her family, has a lot of Alzheimer's cases. And so it's something, every time I get an opportunity to raise money or give money, it's actually to Alzheimer's. Because to me, uh, and I've seen, a, to give example, my mother-in-law, I've seen a person, very strong person, who at the end of it all, is not the same person. The body's there. And it's hard to see. And I think uh, with our uh, medicine these days, we should be able to find, and I think more and more, you see it more and more with dementia and kind of Alzheimer's. So it's something that's really, really close to me. It's hit from with our family. It's something that I see family suffering. And I think we could do something better with the upwards of medicine. So it's something that's very important to me. 
Well, Ernesto, I want to thank you again for, for taking the time. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, RJ. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.